This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sports Radio 1019 FM. The This Correa stuff is driving me up a wall here. I got plenty to get to with the Jets and the Giants, of course, as the Jets end their season in typical Jet fashion. Same old Jets. Keep the receipts all you want. Same old Jets. I'll get into my thoughts on what they need to do moving forward if they want to stop from being the same old Jets. And obviously the Giants getting set for a big wild card. Hey, here's a little PSA from SAL. Don't go on any boat trips this week. How about that for the Giants? Stay away from boat trips. Not that I think that they will without Odell, of course, and Ben McAdoof is running things. Where you got Brian Dable, you know he runs a tight ship. See what I did there? Anyway, the Giants will be fine looking at that wild card weekend. And, you know, the, the matchup with Minnesota is a whole different story. Everybody, and I know the Giants are going get to healthy, uh, get healthier on defense here. But everybody's expecting the Giants to go out there and beat the Vikings. I'm not there yet. Maybe that'll change as we move on in the week. It is now only Tuesday morning as we're a couple of minutes into you know Tuesday morning here. But I want to just start with the Correa stuff because Rosie's telling me, you know, I walk in. I heard some of the stuff over at SNY, the Ken Rosenthal report that, oh, the twins and Correa appear to be in serious talks. And then Rosie comes in, and Rosie was here the last time that I was here, and we saw each other, and we started talking about Heyman and uh, Correa and what was going on with that. And all hell broke loose to where the report was, in fact, that the Mets agreed to terms with Correa, what was that, three weeks ago now, where Rosie was on the air, that actually broke, and I was annoyed because it was the one overnight I wasn't doing. Meanwhile, I'm doing every other freaking overnight. But now Heyman is saying basically the same thing, I guess, as Rosenthal, that the Twins are gaining steam. Is that the right way that you would put it? Uh, i got to put my glasses on. Let's see this. I mean, really, I'm getting all of my glasses with me at this uh, particular moment. But the, the Twins are basically in serious talks with Correa after the Mets and Correa you know, have not been able to come to an agreement here. Now, that doesn't mean that the Mets are out of this thing, but I'll tell you, I don't remember a I don't remember a free agency ever happening like this. Like the guy was agreed to terms. Now, deals have fallen apart, sure. But like this, he agreed to terms, medical issue, the Mets have a concern. All right, they're still working through things. It's been three weeks. Make a freaking decision here. At this point, I don't even care if Correa goes to the Twins or not. Like, make up your mind, dude. The Mets are going to be fine, and the Mets need to stay disciplined here. 
You cannot be bending over backwards. Hey, if Scott Boris, the Mets obviously need Correa. Nobody's going to say that they don't. He's the final piece potentially to what should be a World Series contending team. So obviously if they don't get him, they'll be fine, but they're going to need to upgrade even more so at the trade deadline, figure out maybe they want to go out there and go get Brian Reynolds for left field, and then they could have Escobar playing third. You trade some of the prospects, and you make up for it that way, still make a move. Of the de- like There are ways that the Mets can overcome losing Carlos Correa. Scott Boris, though, if he's really going to play hardball here with Steve Cohen and tick Cohen off to a point where they had a deal agreed to, and now... Boris and Correa are frustrating Steve Cohen to the point where they actually might now walk away and go to where Boris is going to go to take Correa to go to Minnesota, the loser Minnesota Twins. Like, I get it. You want more money? What are the Twins going to give them? Twins are going to give them the guaranteed 12 years? No, the Giants aren't. No, the Mets aren't. So think of how far down the deal is going to have to come for Minnesota to be involved. What are they going to, I mean, what is Minnesota going to do? Seven years? Eight years? It just doesn't make any sense to me that this would be the play for Scott Boris and Carlos Correa. Now, I don't know the inner workings of what is going on. Maybe the Mets are so scared off. I mean, you did hear the report last week from Ken Rosenthal saying it would be drastically different. A deal would be drastically different than the one that was agreed upon. So, and then there were reports that were saying that, well, no, it's not going to be drastically different. It'll be different, but not drastically different. As I throw my headphone case in the garbage can. Much like Correa to the Mets, right in the trash can. I mean, either way, so we can all get on with our lives, just get something done. Preferably between the hours of 12 a.m. and 5 a.m. But just make a deal here. Go to Minnesota. The Mets will figure it out. And I guess that's where you have to kind of draw the line if you're Steve Cohen. How much? Because you know a guy like Scott Boris knows that you are an endless pit of money. He also knows how badly you want the player, which is why I'm saying Boris is running a risk here of ticking Steve Cohen off. Because remember, Steve Cohen's still relatively new at this, right? And if it were, in fact, true that those two were on the phone brokering a deal, coming to an agreement with Correa initially, Cohen's going to feel like he had a... I mean, not that he needs to feel like he had a connection with Boris. He's going to be hurt. Oh, we had a connection. How could you do that to me? But feeling like, hey, you know, we had an agreement here. I, I want the player. And now when we find out something is wrong, we still want to work out a deal. Now you're going to start going to talk to another team seriously about things. Like, I get wanting to do right by the player, of course, and trying to maximize the contract, but there's no way you can tell me that the Twins would have a better offer than the Mets because whatever the Twins would be willing to give, ultimately, don't you think Steve Cohen and the Mets would match? I mean, this is not about the Mets not wanting to pay Correa. It's not about the Mets not wanting to give him the length of contract that he wanted. It's about the Mets seeing the same thing that the Giants saw and having concerns about the leg holding up long-term, i.e. 10, 12-year contracts. So if the Mets aren't willing to go to that level, let's say it comes down to seven or eight years, and Minnesota wants to hop back in, 
Do you really think that Minnesota is going to outbid the Mets? I mean, are the Mets doctors going to say, well, we're only comfortable going to seven? And the Twins doctors are going to say, well, screw it, we'll go to eight or nine? I mean, is that what we're looking at here? You think the Twins are going to give a higher AAV than the Mets would on a shorter-term contract? I don't think so. But please, just get the deal done so we could all move on. One way or another. But Cohen can't bend if he firmly believes in what the doctors are telling him, whatever their contract offer is. And again, it's hard to you know, give a side here without knowing the numbers. It could come out, let's say Boris does take Correa to the Twins, and it comes out that Minnesota was at eight years and the Mets were only at five. And obviously, that's a big difference. Or Minnesota was at, you know, 32 per year. The Mets were willing to go for 25. Like, I don't think that that's going to be the case, but you never know. I mean, I guess it could be. But until we actually have the details of it, we have no idea. But I don't know about you. I'm just like, I'm over it already. Like, make a decision. Soon. It'll be resolved soon. That was the only news that we had on it. Where last week it was a lot of nothing. And then Saturday, Steve Cohen was at an event and said that a decision will be made soon. And here we are. Monday night, late Monday night, heading into Tuesday morning and still no resolution. And talks hitting up with the Twins. And Sus, just keep me, we have Sus now replacing Rosie on the board. You know, because John Heyman blocked me on Twitter, so I can't follow him. I'll keep refreshing the Twitter here all night long. But Sus, just stay on top of it in case anything does break and you can just jump in my ears and and let me know. But, I mean, I don't think that something's going to happen, you know, at this hour. But who the hell knows? Soon it's going to happen. Anyway, we'll get into the football on the other side. We'll stick with the Correa stuff here. Craig is calling from Rhode Island. What's up, Craig? Hey, so, yeah, just wanted to really kind of dig into this for a minute here. So I guess uh, more than statements, I just kind of have some questions for you tonight, and maybe I'll just throw them at you now. I guess what I'm just trying to figure out is that it seems that the Mets have their own physical that seem to be in line with whatever it is the Giants reported. Uh, so it, it would seem that the Twins would sort of have that same sort of evidence. So it just seems to me that if the Twins' payroll per year is going to be anywhere between 120 to $142 million, that in a sense, they really can't afford to take the risk on Correa like the Mets could. So I guess what I'm just confused at, and this is what I just want to get you uh, going on tonight, is what does this mean for Steve Cohen from a ownership perspective that he allowed this to carry out as long as he had? And then in the more well, immediate well, terms... Well, let, what, me answer, let me answer that one first, and I'll let you get to your second point. Because I think you're on, on to something here when we talk about the first part of it. Like, if you... Use some common sense here, right? We may not have reports of what the numbers are, even though we had a report that said it's going to be drastically different. Let's just compare the Mets and the Twins. For the Twins to realistically be involved, I mean, where do you think the number is going to be at? Because to your point, the Mets could absorb a mistake. The Twins cannot. And not that it would be a mistake. It would just be like, let's say, okay, Cohen going in knows he's going to get five, six good years or hopes to get five, six good years, but he has to eat potentially year seven and year eight, and he's okay with that. Do you think Minnesota is okay with it? So then that brings me to thinking, well, maybe Boris is just using Minnesota to kind of stick it to Cohen because that's the only potential other spot he could go to, but I don't understand what that contract would look like. As far as Cohen throwing or dragging it out, I'm not blaming him at all. I don't think this is on the Mets. I think this is on Scott Boris. 
No, I, I totally understand that. I, I guess what I'm trying to, to say, though, is what what is this? So the way I take this is that this says something about Steve Cohen, who's the businessman who 20 days ago just, uh, you know, put this jolt and excitement into the, the franchise and the fan base like we, we haven't seen for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And now that now that there's still there's still a cause for hope here, but in, in a way it feels depleted in a way. You know, fine. Maybe a deal gets worked out, but at at some point, is is Scott Boris really controlling the narrative here, or are the Mets and are you know? It just seems like somehow, even though we're still maybe hypothetically in possession of uh, Correa here, it just seems like this whole thing has just gotten away from us, and now we're sort of at the whim of Boris and whatever he wants well, to do. We're not controlling the, the narrative. Well, the Mets could control it if they wanted to just go out there and be reckless about it and say, well, you know, uh, medicals be damned. We'll just go out there and give them the contract, which they're not doing, which I think is a testament to them. They made it clear they want Carlos Correa. There's going to be provisions in the contract. There's nothing wrong with that. If another team, and by the way, Correa is a great player, right? The Giants right. basically said no thanks after the medicals. And the only other team is the Twins. It's down to two teams, the Mets and the Twins. So to what, right. realistically, what extent are the Twins going to be able to go to? Which is why I ultimately still don't believe that Correa is going to Minnesota. I don't believe it. But as far as controlling the narrative, you have the two sides. Last week it was funny because the clear mouthpiece for Scott Boris is John Heyman. And then you had so you had him reporting that there're going to be other teams involved. And then the next day you get a report from SNY's Eddie Martino countering from the Mets side of things, basically saying that the Mets have grown frustrated and may be ready to walk away from this. The deal is not done. They're still hopeful that you know they could get something done, but the Mets are growing frustrated. So like it is like bickering back and forth here between the two sides. Both sides I'm sure are frustrated, but I mean ultimately let, let's get something done here and move on. No, and, and ultimately I agree with you because, like you're saying, the, the Mets are the really only ones who can afford this. Whatever this is, the Mets are the only ones who can do it. I guess my concerns are just the way uh, Cohen has allowed this to unfold over the last 20 days. And I think it also does say something about the Mets to sort of jump on this in the middle of the night like they did. And now all of a sudden they've, they've kind of, like, in other words, I guess what I'm, and this will just be my, my last question for tonight. I guess what I'm saying is what really changed? between the Giants and the Mets. It doesn't seem like there were any significant medical updates that wouldn't have been there with the Giants. So maybe the Mets just acted a little too quickly on something that maybe the Giants foresaw all along. So, well, right, but the, but the Giants, oh, thank you, Craig, appreciate the phone call, good stuff. So the Giants agreed to the deal, then they did the physical, and they saw things in the medicals that they were concerned about. It, they had to postpone the introduction because they were concerned about whatever they saw in the medicals. And because they postponed things, Scott Boris got annoyed and went to Steve Cohen and said, hey, he's available. Correa's available. Because obviously there were talks with Correa and the, and the Mets before he agreed to the Giants. Boris said, enough's enough. We're not going to wait on the Giants. We're going to go to Steve Cohen and the Mets. They agreed to a deal. Cohen's not at fault here for any of this. He could understand why it fell apart with the Giants. Maybe Boris wasn't 100% truthful to him. doesn't matter. Boris could lie all he wants. They're going to do a physical. They're going to get the medicals. So then Cohen says, well, yeah, we want the player. All right, here's what we'll agree on. They agree to the deal. The Mets naturally have to go through the process. Something comes up in the medicals that they don't feel comfortable, just like the Giants, going to a long-term deal. And it's not about... Correa himself, it's about Correa himself down the road. 
Now you're getting to a point where, okay, well, what's the, you know, where is the line drawn? Like, are you good for three years, five years, six years, eight years? We don't know what the Mets are thinking yet. We don't know what the Giants would have thought or what contract they would have felt comfortable. We don't know what the Twins feel comfortable with. Now, the Twins had them, so I'm assuming they know more medicals than anything else. But if the Giants and the Mets aren't willing to go to a long-term contract, then why would anybody else? That's kind of where I'm at with it, where if those two teams aren't going to do it, who is? The answer is nobody. So then it's going to come down to whatever length they're discussing, and I don't know what that is. And obviously total value. And if Minnesota could get in the same ballpark as the Mets, that would mean to me that the Mets, that it would be correct that Ken Rosenthal was talking about. A deal would be drastically different than the 12-year, you know, 300-plus million dollar deal that they agreed to. Linda is calling from Forest Hills. What's up, Linda? Hey, Sal. How you doing? How are you, Linda? Good, good. Um, this whole thing, is, can we can we just get it done already? Seriously. I mean, I don't care if he goes to Minnesota. I just want it done and off my plate and move on to the next thing. Okay, here's my thing. Now, I want him. Don't get me wrong. I want Correa to the No, Mets, yeah, but... me too. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. First off, Scott Boris is a clown. A mm. successful clown, but he's a clown. Okay? I, the one thing that I caught today that the, this deal was first announced is he said to the media that there wasn't any current issue with Correa's right. uh, leg. Right, which there's not. He like which Right now, he's not. fine. Right. Which there's not. But that's not to say that there wouldn't be an issue later on once the deal was deal got through. Now, if that's Well, no, case, he meant, what he meant was that there's no, it's nothing that would impact him like this year. Or next year, obviously injuries exactly. happen. You never know, but it's not something that would concern teams now. What would concern it, teams yeah. is the back end of the contract. Exactly. Now, here's the thing. That being the case, the Mets were right to have their concerns, and obviously they conducted their physical and what have you. Now, I kind of put a little bit of blame on Cohen here in the fact that he was silly enough to give Heyman a quote right off the bat. But that just shows you a willingness to go above and beyond and do whatever's necessary. So I don't, you know, that's just Steve being an owner and, and, you know, in service to the fans. But my whole thing is, look, Boris has no leverage here. If he wants, if if he wants Korea to go to the to the, which may be uh, frustrating, maybe that's why Boris is frustrated because he knows exactly, he's got no leverage here. Exactly, exactly. He doesn't he doesn't want to risk alienating the richest owner in the sport because he needs he needs that owner to be he needs the Mets to be a destination for his clients with with Cohen's pockets. So he doesn't want to risk alienating him. Now. Do I? I think this will get done. I think this will get done. If you if you want to believe Jim Bowden, who was on MLB Network Radio with Jim Duquette, what he who said. said, 
he he apparently says that uh, he has a mutual friend with uh, Korea who tells him that the deal is done, will get done, and it'll be announced in a yeah, couple, and, couple and of I, days. I guess Bayerga, who's been on top of this stuff for the most Bayerga's part. Bayerga's been on top of it, and apparently Steve Phillips has said so that, you know, a deal is going to get done in the next couple of days. So. Right. We'll see. Yeah, but that's but. but that's kind of the point, Linda, and thank you for the call, as always. Like, enough already. Enough with this crap. You're driving fans nuts. Either do the deal or don't, but this is going to drag down for three friggin' weeks. Like, let's go. All of it. I don't care anymore. Or let the details out. If I'm the Mets, I say, hey, look, this is the deal that we offered them. This is it. We offered them seven years, you know. 200 million. I'm just throwing a number out there. I didn't really do the math properly. Whatever it may be. Seven years, 250 million. Eight years, 250 million. That's it. Take it or leave it. You know, what's happening is both sides want each other, but both sides are unhappy with where the current deal is at or talk is at. I mean, there is no hurry here. Other than, I'm sure, just the frustration. If we're frustrated, I know Steve Cohen is frustrated. And, you know, maybe Correa wants to be settled. But like, do you want the Mets or do you not? And if you don't, fine. Go somewhere else then. Go to Minnesota. There's no way, though, anybody could tell me that Minnesota is going to have a better offer than the Mets. Which makes me believe Boris is just using Minnesota as whatever little leverage he might think he has. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. He's homered. Derek Jeter homers to tie the game. And there it is. Hit number 3,000. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. We are all set for Wild Card Weekend. 
Yeah, I love it. I'm going to be looking at these matchups all week long. They're trying to plan out my days. I still don't know what I'm doing Saturday and Sunday and all that stuff, and obviously Monday night. But you got the Seahawks and the Niners getting things started on Super Wild Card Saturday, I guess they call it. I'm just going to call it Wild Card Weekend. You got the Chargers and the Jaguars. And look, all these matchups, I mean, you can look at them and say, well, there's intrigue there. The the big key is going to be the quarterbacks. If Tua can play for the Dolphins, that makes that matchup a little bit more intriguing. Actually, a lot more intriguing. Not that I think Miami could win, but, but at least if Tua's there, it's worth watching. If they have to go with, uh, you know, third stringers again, there's no point to even put that game on. I mean, that could be the one you do some errands around the house. By the time you get around to it, oh, yeah, check it out at halftime as the Bills lead, you know, 35-6 or whatever it may be. Same, I guess you could say, for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Lamar Jackson plays that game. Ravens-Bengals becomes one of the best games of the weekend. That one's slated for Sunday night. And then, of course, you got, uh, well, we mentioned uh, the, the Cowboys and, and Bucks on Monday night. But the Giants right smack in the middle of the day taking on the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. A spot where, you know, a few weeks ago the Giants played well, but well enough to lose. Did not get the job done, but it was an encouraging performance. Much like many of the Giants' performances this year. It was a terrific regular season. The Giants decided to rest their players this past Sunday, and, you know, they still were competitive against Philadelphia, even with resting their players. But I'm not putting any stock in that game. And you, you put more stock in what happened the last time that those two teams met, uh, where, you know, Philadelphia made it, uh, it wasn't so pretty in week 14 at MetLife against the Eagles. But anyway, it's about the Vikings. And I wouldn't even, you know, the Giants, for their own confidence, can reference the Vikings game a few weeks back, as we said, in week 16 on that Christmas Eve. But the reality is it's different in the postseason. What happened in the regular season, win or lose, close game or not, it doesn't matter now come Sunday. What matters is Brian Dable, and I'd give the Giants an advantage at coaching. What matters is Daniel Jones. And look, over Kirk Cousins, they're different quarterbacks, maybe complete opposite, where Kirk Cousins is all about throwing the football down the field, going to put up some gaudy passing numbers at times, but also going to make mistakes. Daniel Jones, a quarterback who's cleaned up his mistakes, not going to put up the gaudy passing numbers, but protects the football. The Jazz, you know, he's he's done so so much better now. Protects the football. And goes out there and leads a team that does not generally beat themselves. And if you're looking to make a case for the Giants, that's where the advantage lies. Coaching and not beating themselves. Where I don't trust Minnesota. The one thing that would make me feel like Minnesota is going to win the game, not only their talent that they have on the roster, but because of, I just get that feel that everybody's going to be on the Giants. And when everybody goes one way, usually I'll go the other. But it's way too early in the week to be making predictions and picks and all things like that. The bigger just point is that the Giants are in not only the postseason and in a wild card matchup, but one that is a winnable one for them against the 13-4 and team. That, you know, you look at the... Vikings, you look at what the Eagles did, you look at what the Niners did, you're talking about the the best teams in the NFC. Now, of those three, 
the Vikings would be ranked third. And, you know, I'm not, not just going by the obvious standings, but I'm saying if you had to rank them without looking at where they finished, of the three to me, I would probably actually put Minnesota even behind Dallas. And I know Dallas struggled against Washington. I still don't think Minnesota is as good as the Cowboys. Maybe that has to do with the head-to-head pasting that happened. But either way, I also think Dallas is going to be people overlooking Dallas against Tampa Bay. But the Giants could be a team that can actually go out there and upset on this wild card weekend and move forward. But think about all that went into this year. And by the way, we mentioned before, the Giants are going to be getting healthier. Ojalari, Adoree Jackson, Leonard Williams. They could potentially be getting all three back. And all three had issues. Two were out and one went left early in that game against Minnesota a few weeks back. So... Giants will get healthier on defense in particular, which should help. But think about all that went into the season. I know we, in sports radio a lot of times, can accentuate the negative. And with good reason. There's been a lot of negative around here with the football. Jets and Giants both over the last several years. But think about this, how good this season was in year one of Joe Shane and Brian Dable. And think about... What they accomplished, not only as far as changing the culture and the way that people view the Giants, but just in this individual year where, you know, as sports fans, we don't get a lot of great seasons. And the way I would define great season, there's a couple of different ways, but in this particular case would be far exceeding expectation. Similar maybe to what the Yankees did in 2017. Right? 2017 was supposed to be a rebuild year. All right, the Yankees aren't going to try to go win the World Series year rebuild year. And then they go out there and have a terrific year. Get to Game 7 of the ALCS. Changed everything, the way that we look at them moving forward. And with the Giants, all right, this is supposed to be a rebuilding year. Year 1 of Dable and Shane. Let's see what they've got. Let's find out about Daniel Jones once and for all. And now what you've seen is a solid foundation. And a playoff berth. You know, the fact that this team is playing in a wild card game, stunning. With the talent that they have, or lack thereof, it is a testament to the coaching and to the players that are there. I mean, it is disrespectful to say that there's a lack of talent, but in comparison to some of the top teams in a league, we know what the Giants' situation was this year. And obviously, it it's not there. But they are there. And they have a shot. As good as anybody. I would have liked if they played their starters at least a little bit, have some momentum. But either way, Giants will be taking on the Vikings come Sunday, and I can't wait. Bill is in Holbrook. What's up, Bill? Hey, Sal, can you hear me okay? Got you, Bill. What's on your mind? Okay. Um, long-suffering Viking fan. Oh. I'm looking <laughs> long-suffering. Talking about back to the days of Fran Parkinson. And my, I want to get your thoughts on something, Sal. It's interesting, you know, I know the Giants had a, had a really good season and all, you know, but everybody's talking about how all oh, the Giants should have beat the Vikings. And what I wanted to ask you, Sal, was that how come nobody's talking about that the fact that the Vikings are 11-0 and in these close games and everybody should have? It's funny because I watch every moment of every game and everybody says, 
oh yeah, everybody should have beat the Vikings, but yet the Vikings figure out right, but yet they a didn't. way to win. Right. And and I, and I and I listen. I have I have gone through a lot of suffering with this team, so I I, I would not be surprised if the Giants you know kick their rear ends or anything like that. I just was wondering what your thoughts about. I that, would how. I would be surprised about that. I mean, the Giants outside of the Colts haven't kicked anybody's rear end. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm still scarred from the 41 nothing game years ago. Oh, uh, well, I mean, I get that, but that's a long <laughs> time ago now. I, I get it. You know, the Vikings have had some disappointments in the postseason, as have other franchises, but maybe Minnesota sticks out a little bit more than others. Do you, you think they're the most disrespectful? you think, South for, for 13 and 14, they're the most disrespectful team you've ever heard? They, I've never seen so much disrespect. Yeah, because it's Kirk Cousins, because it's Kirk Cousins, because it's their inconsistencies. I I just, you're you're right about them winning the close games. I think the reason why you're hearing why the Giants should have won that game is you're in New York. I mean, if you listen to New York, it's going to be Giants skewed. Although, of course, the first Giants caller to this show is a Vikings fan. But anyway. I also heard the Jets were supposed to win the game, too, against the Vikings. They all said the same thing. The Jets were supposed to win, so they, they were not supposed to lose to the Vikings. Right, they could have won or could have, should have, would have won the game. Yeah, but they didn't. They, they didn't win the game. Look, if Minnesota plays their best game, I think yeah. they beat the Giants. But are they going to play their best game, Bill? I mean, that's a big question mark. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. I don't trust Kirk Cousins. At all. I don't love the coach necessarily. So there are question marks with Minnesota. And I do know that I trust Brian Dable more so than O'Connell. So, I mean, if you're, I think you're right about that. Well, yeah. that, so that's a big advantage in the playoffs already. Dable saying right. the right things about how, you know, it's just the same thing you do in week one to win, same thing you do in the playoffs. Dable's got the right mentality. That would be scary to me where the Giants could be a live dog. What is it? Only three point spread right now. And that's just basically based on home field. The, the dome would, or not, you know, whatever they, they play in now. It's obviously not the Metrodome, but the Minnesota crowd would worry me a little bit if I'm a Giant fan. From that perspective, it could be a tough place to play, even tougher with that horn going in the postseason. But still, yeah. I think this is a pretty equal matchup. And you're right, it's weird because they're 13-4 and four Minnesota. It is one of the teams that, it is probably the, for, at least for my money, one of the, the lesser 13-4 and four teams I can remember. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen so much disrespect for a 13 or 14. I was just curious of your thoughts. Great great show, Sal. Thanks so much. Thank you, Bill. Good luck to your Vikings. I mean, not really, but good luck to your Vikings. Probably have to bet the Giants for show purposes that day, right? Eh, maybe I'll figure out a way if I don't feel like the Giants are going to win the game. I don't know. I, it's way too early to pick on a Tuesday. Too early to pick on a Friday. But, I mean, we have to. For the sake of the show. But come Sunday, you know, what will the gut feel be? Either way, it's just a great accomplishment. I don't care if the Giants get beat handedly in that game. The fact that they are here going into the postseason is a great accomplishment. I don't think there's anybody that would disagree with that. They've done a great job. Dable has done a great job getting this team to play smart, play hard, be consistent for the most part. Now, eventually you feel like they're going to get to a point where they don't have enough. But is that going to be against Minnesota? Or will that be in the divisional round if they so choose or if they so happen to get there? 877-337-6666. Come on, Giant fans. Where you been? This is it. 
postseason wild card game. It's going to be the talk all week long. The anticipation of that big matchup Sunday at 430. It's like the Super Bowl. Any of these games. Man, these playoff games, these standalone games are great. And when your team's in it, oh, man, nothing's better. Your official station to talk Jets. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. Sal Licata back on the fan, 877-337-6666 is the number to call. Get into the Jets coming up at 1 o'clock. That means we'll hold a little bit of everything. Correa and the Mets, Giants and the wild card game against the Vikings. Let the fun begin. And then we'll get into the mess that is the New York Jets and how they can fix it. Um, just looking at some of the matchups for wild card weekend, I don't even know... Like, it is, as I said before, dependent on Lamar. If Lamar plays, that's probably my favorite matchup. It's such a shame what happened to the Dolphins. You know, that this is the problem with postseason expansion, is that we get to watch the Dolphins again. Now, if Tua were there and healthy, and they didn't lose five in a row before beating the hapless Jets, different story. I mean, they beat Buffalo earlier in the year. Maybe that's a game where you have interest in, but come on. I mean, we know going in that they, they have no chance to win that game. Even if Tua plays, they're not beating the Bills. Um, but obviously the Giants for different reasons with the Giants and the Vikings. But as far as a national appeal, Giants-Vikings, like is that a sexy matchup? Jaguars-Chargers, sexy matchup. Well, I guess Lawrence and Herbert. Seahawks shouldn't be a playoff team. Man, I wish Detroit got in. The Rams screwed it up. They had a shot. I was really hoping the Rams would win that game so we could have a uh, you know Detroit-Green Bay game, winner-take-all. And I felt like Detroit was going to win the game regardless. They did. They should be in the postseason. Lions-Niners, much better game than Niners-Seahawks, even with the NFC West rivalry. Dave is calling from Central Jersey. What's up, Dave? How you doing, Sal? Good, Dave. How are you? Good. Uh, just a quick question. Uh the worst signing, I feel, in the Giant history, Kenny Galladay, made an appearance Sunday. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, do you think he deserves a couple of snaps in the wild card game? And if so, could he make a difference? Um, Let me ask you this way. Do you trust him? Huh? Do you trust him? Uh. With the Giants, no, but when he was with Detroit, well, I would, Well, you know, I know, I, I know that, but yeah. he's not with Detroit right now. We're talking about the I Giants. Know. So I look, put it I, I liked the signing of Galladay. I didn't love it. I liked it. I thought he would be a good right. receiver for him. So I liked what he did with Detroit. But everything that we've seen since, I mean, you're asking me now, Dable all of a sudden is gonna have him, you know, take more snaps and get out there and be an impact player. I, I don't trust him. I didn't say more because he deserved a few, maybe, you know. Get a catch here, maybe one there. Yeah, but but he's also dropped so many balls. Like I know, I, I know what you're I saying, know. Dave. It's a tough question to ask. Uh, I I think I'll put it this way: I'll trust D- uh, Dable to make yeah. the decision on that one. But I don't think just because of what he did in a meaningless Week 18 matchup that I'd be like, eh, I don't know. The the temptation yeah. is there for a couple of reasons: one, because of what he did in Detroit. Two, because the Giants desperately need help at wide receiver. I mean, that's it. Right. Yeah. But he stinks. Yeah. 
All right, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate you checking in. I mean, there is no... You want Galladay to be what he was in Detroit. You want him here now. Now, is there an outside shot? He can get on the field a little bit more and make an impact, I guess. But I have a hard time believing that after 18 weeks of ineptitude, to use one adjective to describe the play of Kenny Galladay, if not just flat-out awful, after 18 weeks of non-factor play from Kenny Galladay, I'm supposed to believe he's going to be a part in the wildcard game? I'm not buying it. I get why you brought it up. I think it's a fair question. Could happen. You never know. Sometimes that's how we've seen these, you know, crazy things happen out of nowhere. Maybe he's got confidence now, but I'm not buying it. Bob is calling from Bayside. What's up, Bob? Sal, how are you? You make a lot of good points about coaches uh, are very important in making the plays. But I, I, I could give you so many examples where, in my opinion, in baseball and fo- and football, it's 75% plays, 25% coaches. I can give you so many examples of well, coaches. Well, baseball is totally different, though. In football, it's a lot more on coaches than it is baseball. Yeah, you're right about that. As a matter of fact, remember the headlines when Joe Torre came, Clueless Joe? Yeah, I do remember him. Clueless and, and then, Joe, and then he's one of the best managers ever. Yeah, yeah, no, he's one of the best managers, but he also got Hall of Famers. Mariano Rivera, Derek Jeter. You know, the play, Jim Leland was a good manager for uh, for Pittsburgh when Bobby Bonilla and Barry Bonds were in their prime. And then he went to Colorado. He didn't win a game. Uh, Chuck Knoll in the 70s won four Super Bowls in five years. And then the steel curtain got old. He didn't win a thing. Well, that. I mean, you could so, say Belichick and Brady. Yeah, but the, you know enough, Bob. It's similar to where we talk about Daniel Jones, and I hate to even bring that up with you on the phone, but like the point well, is... Well, for a year I've been telling you you're going to well, see the real Daniel No, Jones. I know, but, but the point is with any quarterback, it's not just Daniel Jones. Like for me, I evaluate the quarterbacks individually. I look at them separately from the success that they've had with the team or what their weapons are. I look at them and evaluate them on my own. I think you could do the same thing for a coach and understand that, all right, well, Belichick, yeah, he hasn't won a Super Bowl since Tom Brady, but look at what he's done with this team every year, every week. They play hard. Every week they're in these close games, even though they don't have as much talent. Now, at some point, you're going to have to show that you could win without Brady or, you know, rebuild another, uh, you know, find another franchise quarterback. He didn't win at Cleveland. He got Brady, and suddenly he was the greatest coach who ever lived. Now he's without Brady, and they play hard, and they. But how far, yeah, but do you still, how far do they go? But you still know that Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. You can tell by watching the games. Like, it's not just about winning a Super Bowl uh-huh. every single year. I could also point to many games that he blew. Uh, <clears throat> Super Bowl. Belichick? With... What, Nick, what games did Nick, he blow? Nick, Nick Foles. Brady put up 505 yards in that Super Bowl. And and because of Brady's defense, they lost that. Uh, what did Nick Foles put up? 40 points? No, I don't remember. But uh, You don't remember when Nick Foles... No, uh, no, I remember the, the game. I remember the game that they beat the Patriots to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that was after the year that the Falcons yeah. blew the 28-3 lead. I remember it. Nick uh, Foles scored 40 points on Belichick's defense. All right, but so what? I mean, what does, that, what does that mean? He's a bad coach? By the way, can I give you one statistic about Daniel Jones that you probably don't know? Mm-hmm. In the last... In the last five games in December, when the playoff when the playoff push started in crunch time, five games 
in a row, and not just the, the hapless Indianapolis Colts, uh, Daniel Jones had the highest completion percentage of all 32 quarterbacks in both conferences, 73%. And what was this now? Give me the, the stat again. From December 1st on, five games in a row, yeah. in crunch time, when everybody's banking that playoff, Butch, mm-hmm. 73% completion ratings in, in those five games, highest number one out of 32 quarterbacks. They should probably start fitting him for the gold jacket right now. I'm just saying, come on, he's a good quarterback. But I said he's a good quarterback. He had a good season. You know, the thing I like about Daniel Jones, you guys make me knock him all the time, but the thing I like about him is his character. I love his toughness. I love his character. Now, I like him to be smarter as far as putting himself, you don't want to put yourself in harm's way, and I think he's done a better job of that this year, being able to stay Sal, healthy. Sal, in preseason, you said he stinks. I'm, I'm quoting you. Yeah, all right. Well, he uh, did. I mean, he stunk for two years, so I'm sorry. So Yeah, he, he stunk when Jason Garrett was the OC. All right, well, so even you admit that he stunk. I'll admit that the yeah. different the co- different coaches make differences. You're well, right. well, you think. I mean, that's kind of the point, Bob, and thank you for the call, as always. That's the point. I was watching, this will be a nice precursor to the Jets conversation coming up in about four minutes or so. I was watching, I forget what the hell it was. It must have been just a pregame show or something. Oh, yeah, maybe it was the pregame show Saturday for before the Chiefs and Raiders. And they were doing an interview with Mahomes. And to, I forget who was doing it exactly, but it was ESPN, I'm pretty sure. And uh, was it ESPN? Uh, yeah, I guess it was ESPN. Those games, I think, are on ESPN. Anyway, they were doing the interview with Mahomes. And, you know, they were talking about, all oh, your greatness and this and that. And basically the first thing he said was, yeah, well, it's a credit to the coaching staff and Andy Reid and Alex Smith. I learned from all those guys. And it sounds simple enough, right? But I, I, I feel like there's this thought that Patrick Mahomes is just the greatest quarterback ever, and no matter where he got drafted, he would still be the same guy. And I don't believe that that's the case. I'm not saying he wouldn't have been successful. I don't. I'm saying I don't know what would have happened. I'm saying I think he landed in the best spot for him, a spot that was a solid foundation. Andy Reid there, building up a good team, had a solid quarterback, a veteran guy in Alex Smith. And the foundation was there. The pieces were around him. He sat, he watched, he learned. Then he went out there and took over and took the team to a level that Alex Smith could never do. That's how it should be done. And that's just one example. But the point is, when you look at some of these quarterbacks, and we do it all the time now, you look at some of these quarterbacks and you say, wow, this guy stinks. Are you taking into account the situation that he was put into? That is such a big deal. And it's not just about an offensive mind. It's about, more to me, it's about stability of an organization. The structure, the stability that you have or don't have in an organization. And obviously with the Chiefs, with Andy Reid, it was there. 
And if the Jets ever hired, you know, a real head coach, maybe they too can find stability and structure. And then once you build that foundation, you know, the way I guess we could use an analogy here, Marco, you could help me out with these analogies. But like if you're building a house, do they still lay bricks or no? I'm pretty sure they do. Right, okay. So if you're building a house, you start from the ground up, you want to lay those bricks. You don't just go all of a sudden, like, what's the nicest part of a house, you think? Like, the decor outside. Like, what are we talking about? Shutters or something? Nice shutters? or You got nice shutters? I don't know. Not really. <laughs> I mean, what's, like, the nicest part of a house? I got a crap shack. I don't yeah, know. They- <laughs> Everything about it sucks. <laughs> I'm lucky it doesn't fall down yeah. in the wind. Speaking of the Jets, no. Um, <laughs> so, like, whatever the the, the thing that catches your eye about the house, you know, the big, nice screen door, the front door, whatever, like... You don't put that up first. You build the foundation. Because without the foundation, you don't have anything. And the Jets have not been able to build that foundation. It is not a coincidence that they have ruined more quarterbacks than they've developed. Like, it's pretty simple. You, Where would you, if you had to put like a number on it, Marco, percentage out of 100, the importance of head coach, stable organization, system that said drafted quarterback is coming into where's the importance on that 75 80 percent i mean that's Easy. a big number now I, I the perfect example and i apologize if you've already said this because i've been in my closet yeah. and i can't hear some of the stuff trevor lawrence no i didn't use him i was using Mahomes. we all love trevor lawrence right. coming out of clemson right? right we all said he was you know everybody talked about he was the best rated rookie since what andrew luck right yeah right, right? and then before peyton manning and all right. that and how bad did he look under urban meyer Right. He looked awful. He looked lost. You get Urban Meyer the hell out of there. You get a real head coach in Doug Peterson. All of a sudden, the last two months, Trevor Lawrence is now not answering the questions of, is he a bust? We were starting to worry. I mean, we were almost kind of looking at each other like, did we did we miss something? Like, how the hell did we miss this? And now, all of a sudden, you've seen the real Trevor Lawrence. They've they've been stabilized with, the, with hiring a Super Bowl-winning head coach. You're telling me if Urban Meyer stayed there this year? Trevor Lawrence would look the way he's looked the last two months? I don't think so. And by the way, Lawrence, it's okay for him still to miss some throws. He missed a couple of throws or whatever Saturday night and people right. get on him. It's okay to do that because he's been so good and because you trust that he's going to get better right. with Peterson, with the organization. I, I just feel like, you know, you look at Kenny Pickett and, and look, he, the, you know, he's coming into the Steelers organization with Tomlin, with an organization that has everything set up and they bring guys in to an already solid foundation. The Jets, on the other hand, they bring guys into chaos. It's a revolving door of coaches, revolving door of coordinators, and whatever else it may be. There's no solid foundation. Like, well, then you, which is why you have to build the bricks for lay the bricks first, build it up. Which is why, and I'll get to this after the update. The Jets need to stay the course. That's the only way out of this thing. Right or wrong, you'll know when it's time for a change. That time is not now. Uh, by the way, do you, you know what happened in the perfect parlays? Uh, I'm pretty sure I know. I know I got greedy and got bitten on the Sunday night game. Did I'm, you go for four or three? Four. And I got three out of the four. And we went head-to-head. Do you know that Fleegs hit his? I figured he did. I couldn't remember all of his picks. He cleaned up his. Yeah. You I, cleaned up yours, well, right? I, I hit the first two. You hit your first three, mm-hmm. and then it was going to be me or you Sunday mm-hmm. night. We mm-hmm. went head to head on the uh, mm-hmm. on the Lions Packers. You know what? Shame on me for thinking that the playoffs started this week 
and not on Sunday because I thought the Packers would fold once they got into the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> not at home before they would get to the playoffs. Ooh. That's a bad job out of me. At first, I was like, I got ooh. greedy. At first, I was like, ooh, all three of us, this may be a perfect, perfect parlay week. And then I realized that you had the Packers and then one of us was going to lose. But And I was, I was primed for like a 43-point night if you, I would have. You might have because you had the four-teamer. Fleegs mm-hmm. and I each hit three, mm-hmm. plus we had the additional six. Yeah, I only got three. I picked the Jets. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know you. Yeah. You took it on the chin. As a matter of fact, Fleeks mm-hmm. has surpassed you now. <laughs> has he? He's in second place. Man, I think one about, bad night. Jeez. I know. I got to do. And that. I was right there. I had it. You had. Uh, you had thirty-eight. I believe. I wrote this down. Oh, that's brutal. You were at. Yeah. You. You had thirty. Well, yeah. You, you had. You were at twenty-nine. So you had plus three. So you had thirty-two. Mm. Fleeks hits the three-team parlay and both the money line picks. He's at thirty-five now on the year. Wow. That's brutal. I had 43 points in the palm of my hand, and then Aaron Rodgers and the Packers decided to lay down and die. <laughs> At home with playoffs on the line, the Lions playing for absolutely nothing. If you hit that, you might have leapfrogged me because I would have lost mine, obviously. And I'm only at yeah, 52, so you would have definitely leapfrogged me. Yeah. All right, I, well, we're there. We get some more coming up here. I, with the that's my group. own fault. We Not get, only did I get greedy, seriously, I you, bet on the Packers – in Lambeau to finish the season with the playoffs on the line. What the hell was I thinking? Uh, I don't know, but I'm glad you thought it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 